You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners. If you have been part of our community for the first 15 episodes, you will know that we are always sponsored by our travel company, Under 30 Experiences, that goes all over the world, bringing awesome young people together. So we are actually on an epic road trip right now, which you can get involved with, under30experiences.com slash blog. Started out in Chicago to Kansas City, through Denver and Boulder, over the Teton Pass, up to Seattle, down to Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, to Vegas, the Grand Canyon. Let me think. My memory is getting a little bit fuzzy. My geography. Oh, here to Austin, where I'm standing right now by September 13th, Houston, New Orleans, Nashville, and back to Chicago by September 21st. Our last podcast uh, guest, Rajiv Martin, and his co-founder of Idea Lemon, Martin McGovern, are going around the country talking to young people about their side projects that they are passionate about and helping people get noticed. So if you want to get involved, come check us out, under30experiences.com. We are coming to a city near you. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Live Different Podcast. Uh, today, I am here with my friend, John Schneckecki. Nailed it. Absolutely. Nailed it. Absolutely. Absolutely nailed it. Uh, the first time I met John, he put out a challenge to anybody who could read his name and actually pronounce it. So uh, that was actually not read. That was done from memory. So I still haven't accepted the challenge. But John is uh, a friend of mine and under 30 year experiences alumni. We're sitting here in Austin, Texas, and uh, you are in the process of writing or finishing up your book um, called Pura Vida, A Thinker's Guide to Living, 12 Must Answer Questions on Happiness, Habits, and Hustle for mixed up millennials. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm having fun with it. Good, good. And uh, it came about, well, I guess we can bring it back to January. You were down in Costa Rica? January, yeah. Second, second or third week in January when we went down with you guys. Mm-hmm. So you came on an under 30 experiences trip. Yeah. With your, it, can we just shout out Preston and get this sure. over with. Yeah. Because well, you came with, a, you brought a buddy under unique circumstances. <laughs> he's really going to appreciate the unique circumstances. <laughs> uh, lean there. Or maybe, maybe don't tell everybody about his unique uh, circumstances. I don't know. No, we, yeah, we'll just say it was unique circumstances, but okay. yeah, at the time, um, I think I was like a lot of people just kind of confused and, and mixed up. Um, Preston was pretty confused. Preston was also pretty confused. So for different reasons, he was going through a little bit of a, a some love troubles. Um, mm-hmm. And I was at that point in my life where I knew that I needed to make some changes. Was just kind of tired and, and bored with the nine to five corporate world. All the same, you know, the millennial story that's played out a thousand times over that I'm not going to bore anybody with. But uh, we decided, sort of on on a whim, like why not? Let's just let's go down to Costa Rica for a week and. And for all intents and purposes, you know, just bro out for a little while, um, which you know that we did quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went down there, had a blast with you guys. Um, and I, after I came home, I sort of decided like, yeah, I'm going to go do that again. And I need to do it for a lot longer. Um, so about two or three weeks after I actually got back from that trip, uh, I quit my job. And I went back down to, to Costa Rica by myself this time. And 
was supposed to be down there for, for about two months, just sort of hopping around through Costa Rica, was going to go down to Panama um, and sort of do the whole solo adventure deal through Central America. And my whole sort of purpose for that, that solo adventure was to sort of find myself. Um, so I, I was in the throes and throngs of a quarter life crisis. Okay. Uh, and I just decided that if it was going to happen, it needed to happen, you know, on a beach somewhere far mm-hmm. away from, far away from everybody. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of got started this, this whole idea and then sitting here you now in, in Jared's kitchen sort of got started way back when. Shout out to Under 30 Experiences co-founder, yeah. Jared O'Toole, who was on a Euro trip and, uh, I decided to come and check out Austin. Yeah, so I was gonna sitting in his apartment. John showed me, <laughs> John has been showing me around. <laughs> yeah, I, since I feel like I owe you a debt of gratitude for your hospitality, but it would be foolish not to to shout out Jared while we're sitting in this place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's not here. He didn't have to cook breakfast. Like yeah, after, exactly. <laughs> I think I can pull off a better breakfast. But you went to Costa Rica. You went to find yourself, which I can't wait to ask you more about yeah. that. We're gonna have to dig in there a little bit uh, further. But tell us what happened. So what happened next, man? So um, like I said, I went down there with the intention of, of trying to find myself. And I'm a, I'm a writer. I like to write. So that's sort of what I, what I thought that I was going to do. Just lay on the beach and try and ask myself some, some, of the, some of the life's most confounding questions and try and come up with answers and uh, have a little bit of fun in the process. So uh, the, the story kind of takes a crazy spin uh, on day three when I get back down to Costa Rica. Uh, things have gone pretty well. Got to where I was going. I was in Puerto Viejo on the Caribbean coast of, uh, of Costa Rica. Uh, ended up meeting a girl from London um, at the bus stop in San Jose. Um, mm-hmm. Went down to, to Costa Rica and, and the two of us decided the next day to, uh, to go do some snorkeling and some hiking in a in a nearby park. That's what they call it these days. Yeah, that's what they call it these days. So uh, the two of us hopped on a, on a motorcycle and, and took off about 20, 25 minutes north of the city to, to get up into the, the forest and the jungle. And on the way up there, uh, ended up getting in a, in a pretty nasty accident on the motorcycle. Uh, I was thrown off the bike. She was thrown off the bike. I found out later that I found out that day while we were sitting in the hospital that it was actually her 23rd birthday. Um, I lost my wallet in the accident, um, and, uh, we bounced in and out of hospitals for the next four or five days. Um, they took you to a public hospital or you went to a clinic? We went to a local clinic, uh, and sort of, they did the best they could Mm -hmm. for a couple of days and we made a couple of different trips there and eventually my injuries continued to worsen. And so we ended up coming back and they kind of. They kind of reluctantly threw their hands in the air and said, it, "Hey, it started getting infected." Or? Yeah, it, like I, so I, you know, I just sort of mangled the entire left side of my body. It kind of took off most of the skin, so there was a lot of uh, a lot of fresh wounds. So we we did the best that we could, but things started to get a little hairy. Yeah, and it's it's not easy down there. Just little simple cuts and and that kind of thing. We're always wrapping them up for our travelers and. You know, disinfecting and triple antibiotic cream and, and all that because our bodies aren't used to all, you, you know, you're very close to the rainforest. If not, if you're not in the right, rain, you're in the right, jungle, right? Yeah, so in the jungle. Bacteria and all sorts of crazy stuff grows down there. So 
Wow, I can, I can only imagine what having half of your body exposed. Yeah, like. luckily I was staying with a uh, a local family down there, sort of in their their guest house in the jungle. Um, and so we basically made it a routine. We'd wake up in the morning, Sarah, Sarah and I. Sarah was the, the girl from London who was with me, uh, who had the misfortune of being on the bike along with me. Um, but uh, we'd wake up in the morning and like and hitchhike up to the clinic, oh. and they would uh, they would clean our wounds and send us back. And then uh, the family that I was staying with was was gracious enough to come over in the, in the morning before we'd leave. And they would they would lay me down and, and clean my wounds, sort of with a, a concoction of like really hot water and a bunch of other stuff that I, I didn't know what it was. But oh it sort of went on for like three or four days. Um, so I probably owe them a, a lot of thanks too, just for, for keeping me on my feet. Um, but uh, yeah, so the the whole story though is is kind of crazy, and and the fact that like that was the tip of the iceberg, and things continued to get worse from there. So. Um, Ended up at a, at, a, at a hospital in Limon, Costa Rica, uh, which is like an hour north of where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, I was laying on the x-ray table in Limon, um, trying to figure out if my leg was broken when the hospital lost power, um, which, which resulted in a bunch of like mixed up x-rays that didn't make any sense. So I was actually misdiagnosed a time or two before they figured out that, you know, my leg was actually still intact. Um, on the way back from the hospital, they sent us back um, after they had figured out what was wrong with me. They sent us back in an ambulance. Um, we, it was about 8 o'clock at night, uh, and I was laying in the back of the ambulance, and I watched, literally watched a travel bus plow into the back of our ambulance. Jesus. Um, so one, one thing after another continued to go wrong. The next day, we had... Uh, we went to a pharmacy to try and buy some, some medical supplies, some gauze, bandages, and whatnot, and got to the pharmacy, went to pay at the register, and were told that the money we were trying to pay with was counterfeit. Um, so we were already low on cash. The, col- the colonics? Yeah, the colonics that we were trying to pay with was counterfeit, and the, the guy behind the counter did the whole, like, hold it up to the light thing and, and had a real bill in his other hand, and you could very clearly see that what what we had, but it didn't really know it, was actually a, really a counterfeit bill. Wow! So we were running low on cash, and finding out that the money that we did have was counterfeit, hobbling around Puerto Viejo, hitchhiking, doing the whole whole thing there. Ended up having to pay like seven, I think it was six hundred between six hundred and seven hundred dollars to the guy we rented the bike from in damages. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, like, this is going so poorly. I need to get back to the States for a little while, mm-hmm. sort of pick up the pieces and get some proper medical attention. Sure. And, and then, you, you uh, didn't consider going back to San Jose for this? Uh, I did. I did. And actually, that, that was sort of the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Bought a bus ticket back to San Jose. And the day before that I was scheduled to go back there, they had the largest volcanic eruption in the country <laughs> in 30 years, man. So... Oh my God! It, it was at this point when I, I was just like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta get out of here before, before something else goes terribly wrong. Wow! So it really did become just a hellacious trip. Uh, I've never heard the whole. I didn't. I've never heard this whole story. <laughs> I mean, you emailed me because we were supposed to meet up again, mm-hmm. and you know, you mentioned the your ambulance got hit, and you know. A few things, but holy shit, man. It got, yeah, it got a little hairy. And so everybody that I talked to down there, whether they were expats or folks that I ran into or the locals who I was staying with or the people at the hospital, 
everyone continued to say like, dude, you need to write a book about this. Um, and I, okay. sl- I, I slowly but surely started to kind of, uh, to, to think about, you know, is that something I should do or is this really something people would want to hear? And the more I told the story, the more people seemed to be in disbelief and, and continue to say like, yeah, you should, you should write a book about this. Uh, so I started to take it a little bit more seriously when wow. folks, when folks started giving me that kind of feedback. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I, this is the first time I'm, I'm still in shock about that. Sorry, I was down there for the volcanic eruption, but, yeah. uh, damn. So you're sitting in hammocks and in ambulances and in <laughs> hospital beds, uh, long bus rides probably mm-hmm. and you had a lot of time to think a lot of time to think yeah. so what are you what are you thinking about down there uh probably not a lot of positive positive <laughs> thoughts at the time to be quite honest with okay. you um no but uh yeah I, I had a lot of time to think a lot of time to figure out like you know ask the why questions like why did this happen why now why did I meet this girl? Why did we fall off a motorcycle? Why is the person that treated my leg at the hospital so nice? Why did I meet this person at a specific time? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do I want to do with my life? All those sort of like just crazy questions that are really, um, for, or for lack of a better word, they're sort of unexplainable. Um, sure. But, but it, that doesn't mean that we don't try to answer them for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ironic thing was I had gone down there to write and... I, I left and I, I was on the plane on the back on the way back to Texas and I had opened my notebook just for a second and all I was looking at were, were blank pages. So I had gone down there to write, but I didn't write a single word while I was there. Wow. I spent the vast majority of that time just thinking and in conversation with other people. And uh, throughout that process, I realized that I started to sort of develop um, my own beliefs and my own opinions that I, for really for a couple of years had sort of like, uh, had not, I had not forced myself to think about these questions. Um, I, at the time I was reading like every self help book I could get my hands on. Okay. Um, and uh, any in particular, uh, so I'm a big fan of, of Hal Elrod and the miracle morning. Okay. Um, he's been requested to come on the, on the show. As somebody, people have okay. asked if we can get him on. How, so yeah, I've, I've heard Hal do several interviews on, on other podcasts and his book is phenomenal. I would say that the miracle morning is the one that sort of, uh, kind of kicked my ass into gear. It's really, it's really weird because uh, I was just thinking about that this guy this morning because, uh, Caesar, who you yeah, probably yeah. know, I'm with 30 experiences staff really likes him. He suggested him as a guest. My mom last week said, Oh, I've been. I listened to this guy in his Miracle Morning, and it's, it's really good. You should check it out. I yeah. have listened to him on, on Dave Asprey and, and Bulletproof, um, and now you're mentioning. So I'm going to have to make a phone call. I, you got to check it out, man. Yeah. How? It's Elrod? Elrod, yeah. Okay. E-L- E-L-R-O-D. Okay. Great guy. A lot of, lot of positivity, and I'm, you know, I'm sort of a sucker for for positivity and, and anything that can help people better themselves. But yeah, I, I went through Hal's book, The Miracle Morning. I went through Peter Boog's book, Six Months to Six Figures. Mm. Um, another one was uh, Chris Gillibo in The Art of Nonconformity. Sure, sure. Um, he's got a couple of the $100 startups. Yeah, he's got a couple good. of great books. So, you know, long story short, I was just wearing out my Kindle highlighter function. And uh, the kind of what, what I started doing almost 
without even knowing it, when I was reading these books, I would come across a sentence or a passage or something that was so provocative, um, something that literally made me stop in my tracks. And I would get out my notebook and I would just start writing, just start reacting to whatever I was writing, um, mm -hmm. just to get out whatever was in my head at the time and just sure. start to put some ideas on paper. And the more I did that, the more I realized, the, the more I, start, I, was, I was starting to think about things that I'd never thought about before. Um, and because writing has always been an outlet for me, uh, it was a way for me to get my thoughts down in a manner and through a medium, which I was really, really comfortable with. Um, it didn't require me to buy anything other than the books that I was reading. Um, I started being more aware and more conscious of my thoughts and what I was writing down and taking those opinions and sort of sharing them with other young people, friends, acquaintances, just sort of having conversations with other millennials that I don't think we have too often. Um, you know, the non-emoji, non-text message conversations. Everybody hates on the emojis. I, you know, I don't hate the emojis, but, uh, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather use like three or four words than, <laughs> than three or four emojis. A picture is, an emoji is worth <laughs> a thousand words, John. Yeah, you know. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a pass. Continue. I think you, your, your <laughs> argument is valid. So emojis or no emojis, um, I, I just continued to write I, and I wrote a lot. Uh, and that, that was what I had wanted to do when I went to Costa Rica and I just didn't do it because I was so preoccupied with, I don't have a wallet. Where am I going to get money? How am I going to get home? Am I okay? Uh, for, for a variety of reasons, I just didn't write, but because I had so much time to think, I had a lot of thought in my head and I had a lot of things that I wanted to say and a lot of things that I came back from that trip with that I, I didn't have when I went down there, a different sort of self-awareness, um, a different sort of uh, purpose, uh, felt like I was in a better spot in my life, even though I was down there for 10 days and, and everything that could have gone wrong did. Uh, it, I just, I, I found like this sense of clarity that came over me when I was in the plane on the way back and sort of resolved at that point to, to write down all of the thoughts that went through my head while I was in Costa Rica. And I tried to answer some of those questions that uh, I had either thought about myself or people had, had literally asked me while I was there. Um, all in an attempt to, to try to encourage more young people to write um, and to use pen and paper as a medium to, to improve their lives uh, because it doesn't require a thing and you can, you can do it from wherever you're at in the world no matter what's going on in your life. You've got a, a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper there. Uh, if you've got a little bit of time and you've got those two things, you can, you can pretty much answer any question you want or, or form some opinions and have some conversations. That's really cool. Got our, I got my pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, right I can here, see that right here. Yeah, oh yeah, it's filled with all sorts of wild stuff. Um, so I want to, of course, ask you about what some of these questions were, but I want to back up just a little bit, and I don't want to get too hung up on it, but finding yourself. Yeah. And also in your top, in the title of your book, you use the phrase "mixed up millennials." Why are millennials so mixed up and what are we looking for? Oh my God. What are we looking for? Uh, what are we looking for? I think we're all looking for some sense of, of purpose and probably more than anything else, excitement. I think that's where most millennials uh, start to uh, start to realize that there's more to life 
uh, whenever they, if they step out of the country for the first time, if they're exposed to a different idea or some different people for the first time in their life, and you have this eye-opening experience of, you know, I'm, I've been doing this, been doing, been living life one way, you know, my entire life, and there's an alternate universe that I've only basically barely explored. For me, it was the the travel that did that for me. But regardless of what that stimulus is, I think once you get a taste of excitement, like true excitement, the adrenaline rush of something new, something potentially scary and fearful that you wouldn't otherwise do, and things end up okay, or in my case, they end up terribly, terribly horrible, but at the end of the day, you come out on, on the other side and you realize like, hey, I'm still in one piece, and as horrible as that two weeks was, it was more exciting than anything I've ever done in my entire life. That's something for excitement. When you threw the volcano line in at the end, because, <laughs> yeah, I was down there. I remember, right. I remember the yeah. volcano. Damn, man. Yeah. That was like the trump card. That's it was the trump card. Drop the mic and that was, walk off. That was the, uh, yeah, that was the moment where I was like, I'm going back home. This is just not meant to be. Once the volcano stops erupting and you can actually fly planes. Absolutely. Absolutely. God. Yeah. But the, you know, back to your original question, I used the phrase in the title mixed up millennials because that's the way that I describe myself to people. Mm. Um, at the time I just, you know, people would say, well, why are you doing this? Why are you going to Costa Rica? Why'd you quit your job? You know, tell me what's going on in your life right now, man. How are you doing? I just said, you know, I'm mixed up like this. Is just, mm. I'm just mixed up. Um, and I think I found myself where a lot of other young people do, which is reading self-help books, listening to podcasts, way, way too many hours listening to podcasts, filling my head with all sorts of alternative ideas, but, but spinning my wheels, like never really acting on it, like taking some very, very small steps, but sure. never really doing anything that was going to affect any real change in my life. Um, and the, the more I read, you know, you, the, you read the Hal, the Hal Elrods, the Peter Boots, the Tim Ferrisses, all those guys. Um, I love their message and I love everything they have to say. But there were so many times where I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't connect with those guys because I felt like they were so far from, from where I was at the mm-hmm. present moment. Um, they knew how to help me get to where I wanted to be, but they like, you know, they were, they're making six figures. They're doing what they're, whatever they're doing. Right. I just felt like I, I respect the hell out of you guys and I love your message, but it's so hard for me to, to identify with mm. you because you're not, you're not here in the moment mixed up like me. You've right. been there, but you haven't been there for a long time. And I started then searching for other millennials, other young people who were like at the same stage as I was, which was, I've already realized that I need to start doing something differently. I realized that what I had been doing wasn't working for me anymore. And I knew that I wanted to travel. I wanted to get into entrepreneurship. I wanted to do some of these other things. And I I knew where I wanted to go, but for whatever reason, it felt like I was waiting around for someone to give me permission and you start to realize that that permission is never going to come. <laughs> sure. Uh, no There's one's no good time to do any of this. Yeah. No one's going to tell you, Hey John. Yeah. Like you can go or you can quit your job. You know, it's okay now. There's no good time to ever break up with that person <laughs> who's holding you back. There's never a good time to quit your job. There's never a good time. There's not as the hard things, the things that have been wearing on you that you know that you want to do. I mean, now is the time, honestly. Absolutely. Like, there's no better time than now. We're not getting, and 
we're not getting any younger, right? Nobody, nobody listening to this <laughs> is getting any younger. And so at least afford yourself the maximum amount of time to figure that out. Um, and, and I want to get uh, towards the end. I want to ask you about taking action and about not waiting for permission. And you've talked a lot about um, express, expressing yourself on pen and paper and coming up with your own ideas and thinking for yourself, which is a really big theme in my life. I'm just trying to continually think my own thoughts and listen to people who I, whose opinions that I respect and come up with my own. But it's very difficult to then express them to other people and to we so we hung out for the last day because you and I are similar. I'm not afraid to express my opinions. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes I ask people. I, I asked Liz, uh, who's under thirty staff. I said, Liz, do you think I have a extreme personality? Well, you know, and she she said yes because she knows some of my opinions and stuff. Like no. that. I don't necessarily think. Regardless, whatever I think, I'm, I'm mixed up as well about a lot of these topics, but I know what I really believe, but expressing them is very difficult. Sure. You know, it can be really hard to take that hard stance because you, you don't want to upset people or your family thinks a certain way or your friends think a certain way. We've been talking about uh, eating and the stuff that you do with paleo and you said you're a CrossFit coach or you were when you were here in, in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sort of playing on and off, on and off CrossFit coach. So I, I, I drink the Kool-Aid a little bit sometimes. And okay. Then, then but away for a while. Yeah, no, I, but expressing like, Oh, well we want to live a alternative lifestyle or we want to be in Costa Rica or we want to do something different. It's very hard to learn to express that after so many years of conditioning, after so many years of, being taught what your parents, by your parents, what to sure. think, being taught, being taught by the school systems, by the government, by this is the societal's ideal for a young man. Yeah. And then to stray away from that, it's, it's scary, you know, and it's, it's difficult. You have to write this down and then, and then the next step is to really be able to have these discussions. We can sit here in this apartment and have this and it happens to be recorded and a lot of people listen to it. But sometimes just talking to someone on the street or whatever about these things, it's hard. Or, or even more difficult is people who are close to you. Yeah, like, and the, the best part, I think, Matt, about, about opinions and pen and paper and writing down what you believe in, and I don't think enough people realize this, is that your opinions change, and that's totally okay. So sure. just because you're writing down or you're verbalizing what you, what you believe right here, right now... Um, you know, whether it's a month, two months, six months, a year down the road, if that opinion changes, you're not now some sort of walking contradiction. Sure. You've just gone through more than likely other experiences that have helped to shift an already existing opinion. And the coolest thing, in my opinion, about keeping a journal or writing things down on pen and paper, um, and I do this myself, and I started doing this when we went to Costa Rica in January. It was the first time I started journaling. Uh, when I'm when I'm bored or if I'm in a particularly like sort of just bad period of my life, I'm unhappy, whatever, I'll normally be at a coffee shop writing or, or just doing whatever whatever I do there. But sometimes I'll just go there and, and with my notebook 
and, and flip it open to the first page and go back and read some of the things that I wrote down a year ago mm. and see what was happening in my life. Um, what was I thinking at the time, even if it wasn't about anything really that was, you know, all that serious? Um, what was my writing style like? Because I find that, that my writing style in particular is very dependent on my mood. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, and you can almost replay the events of that specific day or that specific time sure. um, as you're reading those words. And it's, it's, for me, it's a way to sort of relive the past a little bit and take a little mental inventory of who I was at that particular time and, and now who I am as I'm you know, journaling this morning or on the next day. Yeah, and that evolution is totally normal. It's, it's what you want to happen, and if that's the point of reflecting. Exactly. Which I don't do enough because I'm a forward thinker. I'm thinking about where we're going. My eyes is, my eyes is on the prize at all yeah. times. But to take a step back and to, to look in, back into the past is, is really important. So I want to, I want to go back to, um, well, you know that I love the word contradiction. We yes, were talking yes, about yes. this over breakfast. So what I, what I appreciate about you is that you're very well, well-spoken and articulate and you defined yourself as a writer today because of your mood, right? But you're also a coder. And you're also sure, a web yeah. developer and a designer, and you know that usually is a nerd. You know that <laughs> you you played baseball at Texas Tech. Sure. Yet you're like a sick computer nerd. Also, I'm a bit of an anomaly, uh, but to define me as a nerd is 110 percent true. Okay. Uh, I, I don't shy. Sure. I don't shy away from that label at all. Um, I guess at one point in my life when I was younger, I used to be like, I was probably the jockey guy, mm-hmm. but I was the jockey guy with straight A's and honor roll and all that sort of okay. stuff. So, uh, I've always, I've always identified as a nerd. Um, interesting. And I, yeah, I, I write, I do a little web development. Um, I've been in sort of the digital marketing realm for most of my career. So I, I sort of dabble in a lot of different things because I like to learn. Mm-hmm. Learning is sort of what motivates me every day. So regardless of whatever it is, I, I like to continue to learn new things. But it just so happens to be that for whatever reason, like writing is just who I am, like to my core. That's the one activity okay. that I self-identify with the most. Hmm. And it's more, it's, it, that activity, writing is, is most responsible for who I am and what I believe in. So to identify, in my opinion, as anything other really than a writer first would, would be doing myself a, a disservice and, and not really being too self-aware of who I am in the first place. So yeah, well that, that makes sense. And that contradiction is healthy. It's balance. It's, yeah. You need people like that. Or for every job, there's a nerd, right? And sure. some people can share both of those qualities and that makes a very well-rounded person. And that's... That's a good thing. That's someone who can understand both sides of it. You can be analytical, right? And then you can, you know, you can use your left brain and you can use your right right brain. And that makes for a very healthy person, I I think. Um, And it sounds like you've had lots of highs and lots of lows in your life as well. Um, I wanted to kind of get back to your, to your story and, Speaking of contradiction, I've been walking around. Well, I've been walking around Austin, looking at this place, so confused by how it's kind of a small. It has a small town 
field, but there are skyscrapers and we're in Texas, but it seems to be super liberal. And so I, I love places like that, that you're just where you are mixed up. And I think that that part, that thing is, that's very exciting. That create, that is a breeding ground for creativity. That's how you, in your brain, right? Your brain, I, I think is a breeding ground for creativity because you, you understand the analytical and the science behind stuff that you believe in, like paleo or whatever, right? Yeah. But then also you have, you know, you have the right brain creative side that can then put that into words or pictures or design or, or you know, not many people can be good at design and be good at code also. Um, and so contradiction, right? I've been this northerner walking around Texas and like, dude, where are those... Where's the cowboy boot store? Um, but you spent you were spending time in Arkansas. Yeah, this was your job. This was where your job was sure. after college. And um, when you say Arkansas, I think Walmart, and I think holy shit, what was Arkansas like? So I'm curious to to hear to bring bring us back to Arkansas. If bring you us will, back to Arkansas. To what made you? Well, I, I won't say, I won't put words in your mouth. So okay. uh, tell, tell us about that. All right. Um, yeah. So I, I, I feel like I, I dance around the Arkansas question mm-hmm. because I'm still sort of conflicted. It's contradiction. At, yeah. You told me yesterday. At this you met moment. really good people there. Right. So I. Yeah, it's Arkansas. Yeah. For those, for the, your listeners who don't really know the story, it's not really that crazy, but. When I graduated college, uh, I had an opportunity to take a job in, in Bentonville, Fayetteville, Arkansas, the northwest corner of the state there. So, uh, yeah, if you guys aren't geography nerds, it's essentially, you know, uh, maybe maybe an hour east of the Oklahoma border and, you know, 20 minutes south of the, uh, the southwest Missouri border there. But um, at the time, I, yeah, I went up to Arkansas for a job. Um, was going to get the opportunity to to climb the ladder a little little more quickly. Work with some great people. Work with uh, with some great some great clients. You know the WalMarts and the Sam's Clubs and, and all the rest of the Walmart vendors who were up there. So uh, I guess as as a as a young person when I came out of school, it was a nice little carrot to dangle uh, in front of my eyes. And I sort of said, you know, like, you know, if I've got to sacrifice and go someplace, maybe that I wouldn't have picked. Uh, in order to, to climb the ladder and make more money, mm-hmm. you know, make my, make a name for myself, um, then, then so be it. Like, yeah, let's try it. Why not? Um, and when I went up there, I was just coming out of like a, a pretty horrific breakup at the time. Okay. Um, in, in a long relationship. And so when I went to Arkansas, uh, because of that, I was just in a, in a pretty terrible state of mind. Uh, and I told you a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, and anybody who's, who's gone through any of that, obviously, you can identify. I was sort of in the uh, the ice cream eating, you know, binge drinking Bud Light phase. Um, okay. Uh, which I, I'm not too proud of then and definitely not proud of now. Uh, but I was able to do exactly what I wanted to do in Arkansas. Um, I worked with some phenomenal people. Um the work that I was doing was so fulfilling. Uh, the people that I was working with outside of, of the agency that I was at, the clients I was working with were, were a joy to be around. So everything outside of my work life was crumbling, I felt like. But work was the one place where I felt like I was sheltered from all of that because my mind was focused on the work and the people that, that were there. Um, 
And I spent about a year in Arkansas before I sort of called my boss and was like, get me out of here. I've got to leave. This is not the place for me. I hate it here, whatever. Um, and that was the time like four years ago when I've been fighting tooth and nail to get as far away from Arkansas as humanly possible because it's always been associated in my mind with like some of the darkest moments of my life. Mm. Um, okay. and I think I told you this yesterday, but you know, you, you're now a couple of years removed from that situation. Um, whether I was in Arkansas or on the beach in Costa Rica or wherever in the world, it like, it didn't matter is what I realized because I, I just was so unhappy with myself. Um, and I was so mixed up that it didn't matter where I was. It was going to be the same result just because mm-hmm. I didn't have a good handle on, on my, my personal well-being. Um, so over the course of the past three or four years, I've bounced around a lot. I've lived in Austin a couple times. I've lived in Dallas. But the one constant has always been that uh, the two companies that I've worked for in that time have both been headquartered in Bentonville, Arkansas. Um, and so try as I may uh, to, to get away from the state, um, I, I just can't, I can't leave the area. And it's, you know, we had this conversation yesterday when you said, you know, I mentioned the word Arkansas and, and your listeners are hearing the word Arkansas and they're probably thinking like, what, like, why, how much money did they pay you to go to, to Arkansas? And there may be some lovely people <laughs> listening right now who are actually from Arkansas or anywhere around. And it's just, it seems, and, and I've only driven through it once and I don't, and I, I've met we had a traveler on Under 30 Experiences who was from Arkansas, who was a really cool person, and also is a mixed-up millennial, just like yeah. the rest of us, right? But um, it's just in- it's interesting because you come, or, or one comes with these stigmas, especially being from the Northeast. Yeah. I am, I think, again, I think Arkansas, I'm like, oh, Walmart, and I think, God, I try not to shop there because I don't agree with a lot of the ways that they do business or a lot of what they promote. However, I did mention to you yesterday that they get, I don't think they're completely the devil because they get good products to good people at a good price. Mm -hmm. But if you go back to voting with your dollars and being every dollar that you spend is a vote for the world that you want. Well, I don't want more Walmarts. I want more little boutique places run by a mom and pop or a, a millennial or something like this. Yeah. That's why, well, this is why I like Austin because there's a lot of local cool, cool places, but sorry, I just had to, you know, no, and round I, out the, the politically correct yeah, Arkansas yeah, yeah. statement, yeah. but it was a dark place for you. It was a dark place, but I'm going back on Tuesday. Like I'm going to be back there on Tuesday to, to meet with some old, old friends and bosses and guys, like the very awesome people that I mentioned sort of at the beginning of the story. Um, and uh, Arkansas, I guess the reason we're having this conversation is because Arkansas for me is just that place that, that has molded and shaped me into what I am now for, for better, or for worse. Um, you know, I think what happened in Costa Rica was sort of, like I said, the kick in the ass, but, but my life and where I'm at at this point has been, been entirely shaped my adult life by by the state of Arkansas and and the people that that I've that I found there. Um, so I, I guess the the message, or at least what what I'm what I'm getting to with with this point is, um, it's it's really difficult to find good people. Um, and a lot of times, as as a mixed up millennial or a mixed up anyone, 
you're going to rely and you're going to have to rely on other people to get you through some of the tough times. Um, your mentors, whoever they may be in order to, to sort of maybe adopt a different worldview for a little while or take the, the best and the worst of some, of some people that are close to you that you admire. Um, and wherever they are in the world, whoever they may be, uh, don't feel bad and don't apologize for, for going back to an Arkansas, whatever your Arkansas may be, if there are good people there that you can learn from. And that's why I continue to go back because, uh, you know, my, my bosses, my two buddies are, are the best guys I've, I've ever met and they've had a profound impact on me. So to, to try and, and cut that out of my life just because, it's Arkansas or because it's associated with a, a dark time in my life would be really immature of me. And I realized that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm but one person and I've got a shit ton to learn from a lot of people smarter than me. So when I find those people, I'm just going to put them in my hip pocket, uh, wherever they may be. So I guess that that's sort that's of the awesome Arkansas advice. story. Yeah. No, I, okay. So everybody's been mixed up at some point. It doesn't matter if you're a millennial listening or whatever. This can, I think this can apply to anyone, but what questions then do you need to ask yourself? Yeah. So right? I think that's a great first step is because what, what pisses me off, honestly, is that people never ask these questions of themselves because we are very much how our society works. We're very much caught in our daily routine. And this is why we love to travel is because it gets you out of your daily routine. And then you see things different and you have a new flood of images and thoughts and sounds and feelings and you see the world a little bit differently and then you start to question things. But if we don't ever question things, then we just keep going along like drones and cogs in the system. Sure. And that's it. So yeah. what are the questions that people need to be asking themselves? Absolutely. So what are the questions that you asked yourself? So I think if people pick up the book, um, or they hear me talk about these questions. It's, it's not 12 questions that you need to ask yourself that are um, essentially written down somewhere that these are some sort of mandates. You should be asking yourself it's way more questions. Absolutely. Questions. Please ask more than 12 questions. In fact, in the, in the book, I think I said something like, you know, by the time that, that you guys will be reading this book and answering these questions for yourself, I will have moved on to the next batch of 12 or 15 or however many it is. Sure. So there is no rhyme or reason to where these questions come from. Um, there is no order. It's completely random for the most part. It's a mix mash of, of questions that I had in my own head that I started, you know, just for, for whatever reason, started thinking about. Or uh, a friend, you know, over a beer would ask me a question and, and on a Friday night somewhere. And on Sunday, I'd still find myself thinking about it. So I'd, I'd write it down. So um the way that I started thinking about it was, was really the three areas of my life that, um, that I wanted to focus on, happiness, habits, and hustle. And the fact that it was, you know, an alliteration just made it all that much better for a book title and, sure. uh, and all that sort of stuff. So um, one of the things that I found myself doing while I was reading some of these self-development books and, uh, and all that other sort of stuff is just writing down motivational quotes. Like I have notebooks plural of just motivational quotes nice. uh, i just started an evernote of there you go quotes yeah and i you can tag them and you can uh, categorize them also i know you're a pen and paper guy but yeah i'm old school man i'm old school but you I can also just take a picture of your notebook full of quotes and it can be 
I do have the Evernote book. I do have the Evernote book. So I'm I'm there with you. Okay. Um, But yeah, so I've got books of these quotes and I sort of realized that when people would ask me for my opinions on, let's say happiness, right? When people would say like, what does happiness mean to you? Like my first instinct was to pull out my notebook or go to Google and like look through a laundry list of quotes on happiness Mm -hmm. from anyone who's ever written a quote on happiness. Um, and then I would just sort of pass that off and be like, this is my definition of happiness, or this is how I feel about happiness. And at some point along the way, I was just like, this is kind of bullshit because this is not my belief. It's somebody else's belief. Right. Um, and that may sound really elementary, but for me, it was like this really impactful realization. So that's the first question that I started with, which is what the heck does happiness even mean? Absolutely. And I can't stress this point enough because I'm just like you, as in I always have a podcast in, or I'm always reading another book, or I'm always watching another documentary, or I'm always trying to absorb more information. And it gets to the point where what I'd rather be doing is sitting in silence or sitting in thought or writing myself and putting my own thoughts on paper and not just regurgitating someone else's crap or sitting in meditation and just seeing what pops up or using that practice to let go of all of this crap. We we, uh, were eating breakfast this morning. We talked about this Italian philosopher who I really like, Daniele Daniele Boelli, (laughs) greatest name ever. And he has uh, this thing on, on Taoism. It is speaking of contradiction, <laughs> the drunken Taoist sure. is the name of his podcast. I, I highly suggest it. Um, but he's the one, yeah, he's the one, um, who he talks about, you know, he, he talks about in this lecture series, right. That there's a, a some type of guru or, or, um, monk or something. And this young man comes to him and he says, he says, you know, he can write or recite all of these beliefs about happiness and the universe and his own spirituality mm-hmm. and his understanding of life in general. And the guru or the monk or whoever looks at him, he's like, okay, that's great. Now, what do you think? Sure. Because that's just regurgitated crap from everybody else. So he talks about how you should learn this stuff and go and study different philosophies or have your notebook full of quotes who people who have interesting ideas and then forget it all and believe in what you believe in. So you're not just regurgitating everybody else's stuff. And this is something that I'm, I'm working on for sure every day. And you can, you can sit with your notebook and you can, you can think of a thought and then you can think, where did I learn this thought? This is a really good, this is a really good exercise. I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but Really good exercise. Every thought that you have, like, look in the mirror. You think you're fat. Okay, well, who, who taught me that? Who taught me that I was fat? Okay, mm-hmm. well, that might have come because my grandmother, or in my, in my opinion, will, will say that I'm skinny, right? <laughs> so I think I look in the mirror. I think how skinny I am. But then I think of, holy shit, you know, it was my, it was my grandmother that every time she sees me, she's like, I got to fatten you up. Oh my God, you're <laughs> right. weathering away to nothing. Da, 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 da. Or it's my buddies at the gym who were making fun, you know, who were making fun of me and saying that I need to, you know, have another 9,000 calories or whatever. By the way, I think, I think all grandmas just def- 
by default just will tell you that you look skinny no matter what but you look like. But she'll tell other family members of mine that they look hugely <laughs> yeah. obese and we're skinny little people. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, I'm very comfortable with that. But you can write that thought down and then say who taught me to think like this. And yeah. you'll hear the voices of your guidance counselor and <laughs> or you'll hear the voices of your uh, dad. You'll hear the voices of your teachers. You'll hear the voices of anybody because – we came into this world with a fresh slate. Someone just taught us all this, and a lot of it is, the, this is what I talk about, you know, the conditioning of society, this is what you think about. So do that exercise every thought, especially if they're very negative thoughts, or especially if right. they're very positive thoughts also. But back to your questions. Back right. to your questions, yeah. So You're I, asking yourself these questions, and you're figuring out what you believe in. Figuring out what I believe at the time, and I think that's the key, is like at that. the time. At the time, yeah. Um, so I mentioned the question on happiness, what the heck does happiness even mean? Uh, just a couple of some other questions that are in there in the book. Uh, at one point in Costa Rica, I had talked to so many people and sort of relayed my little story, and I started, people started to ask me, like, well, where did, like, where does it? God, you're lucky. Like, where does luck play a role in all this? Like, how do you, how lucky are you that, that something worse didn't happen to you? So I just started thinking like, well, like what role does luck play in my life and in the lives of, of others around me? Uh, because I think in certain instances and probably, you know, in most respects, you got to have a little bit of luck to do what you want to do in life. But to, to what degree is kind of up to you to decide. Uh, so, you know, that's a question that I, that I try and tackle in the book. Um, uh, I had I had another friend when I came back who knew that I was going down there in the midst of a quarter life crisis, um, and he said basically, you know, like well now looking back on it, like what one piece of advice would you give yourself? So I turned that into like, well, what one piece of advice would you give teenage you? And all the while thinking of myself, like myself mm-hmm. at seventeen, eighteen, uh, very sheltered, not at all cultured, having done what I've what I've done for the past six years and whatever it is that your listeners have done. Just, just think about it. Like, what would you tell, what would you tell yourself, your 17, 18, 19 year old self? What would I go and, and find in my notebooks of motivational quotes and say, like, that's the one, that's the thing that you need to be paying attention to. So it's, it's questions like that, that just come from regular everyday conversations and my own sort of crazy mind that I just started to write down. And in the book, the book itself is the manifestation of, of my thoughts and my opinions and the results of writing, writing down these answers. So um, I wrote the book really as a way to make myself accountable, number one, just to get, my, to get my opinions out there and to be very provocative with my opinions and take a hard stance at this time. Uh, because, you know, if you pick up the book, the, the, the only job of, of the reader, of someone who picks up this book and I say this throughout the book, it's just to think, react, and write. It takes nothing else to do that. I'm going to try and provide as, as, as many provocative thoughts and ideas as I possibly can. Um, and then I think all you guys need to do, and if you, if you pick it up, is just write what you think. You may vehemently disagree with something I have to say, sure. but at least you're thinking about it. Um, whereas before, maybe you weren't thinking about it. So... That's sort of my, my aim, and it's sort of a secondary objective, is to get more people to think intentionally, to write, and then to take those opinions and start conversations like the ones that we're having right now. Yeah. Uh, there's, we've got a lot, a lot to learn from each other, and I don't think that we, we take advantage uh, of, of each other that, that often. 
Okay, so I'm going to press you a little bit. Yeah. I need to know about some of your more provocative opinions. Sure, yeah. So, and you're going to see this a lot, um, but the, the happiness question, like what does happiness even mean? Uh, I've, got, I've got way too many quotes on happiness that I, that I like and that I particularly identify with. Sure. But in my opinion, like... So the, throw, the, throw those throw out. Throw those out. out. Yeah, now throw tell those out. And the way that I approach this is really... Um, the, the definition of happiness doesn't matter at all. Hmm. Like, however you want to define happiness, that's good for you. And if you want to spend probably the inordinate amount of time that it's going to take you to find the right words and arrange those words in the right order to make the perfect definition for yourself, by all means, go for it. But I tried to do that and it, it bothered me and it made me anxious because I could never find the right words that I thought fit for myself. But what I noticed was when I started doing the things that excited me, um, when I started being very intentional about working out at the right time every single morning, developing these habits, when I, uh, when I wrote every Sunday in the afternoon, when I started doing these things that I really like to do, like that's what produces the feeling of happiness. Um, and in my opinion, I, I don't need to define happiness in order to know what it feels like and to recognize its presence. So I would rather spend the time that I would have spent trying to define what happiness means, actually doing the things that make me happy, um, if that sure. makes sense. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so two things. One, it's interesting because you mentioned excitement twice. You went to Costa Rica and you did this, right, this horrible by, by let me just judge it and nominalize it for a yeah. second and call it her horrific, horrific. accident was way more exciting than anything that you, you said you way more exciting than anything you had done be, ever done in your life before. Now that's excitement. Would you call that happiness? I, I don't know, but it led you then to think of these think of these questions and develop then take action and develop the habits that aligned with your values that bring you to the person that closer who you would like to be, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Tony Robbins, right now we're just going to start quoting other people, yeah. but Tony Robbins actually says that most people confuse happiness when what they're really looking for is excitement. Exciting, yeah. um, but what I like is that you formed an opinion, you know, you've checked around to see what other people think. Obviously, you've had these dis discussions, you've written about it your opinion may change, but now you're experiencing it. Sure. You're taking action. You're going out and you've, you've created, or you are in the process of creating, or you are living, right? You are living a life. Right? No, you're, you're alive. You're alive. Uh, we, we had a really fun time these last 24 hours, less than that, that we've hung out. Um, and we've experienced these things, right? And, the whole name, by the way, the whole name under 30 experiences, that was a fluke. That was an anomaly. <laughs> but this now ha actually happens to be a core value of mine. But you hear about, oh, Matt and John, listen to the podcast. These guys, Matt and John, you know, they sound like they have some things figured out or at least they've thought deeply about these things. Okay, well now, you know, and now people are saying, well, well go and experience it for yourself and form your own opinions and see what you like. So that was a long 
roundabout way of saying, for me, when I think of happiness, I think more of not trying to experience ups and, da- ups and downs because I've read a lot about Zen and a lot mm-hmm. about Buddhism and a lot about it, uh, having... I've studied <laughs> yoga, right? But then you actually, and meditation, and then you actually go do the damn thing and that's you experiencing it and you just kind of let that shit go and you're not, you don't go to yoga to try to be happy. You just go to experience, live in the moment, like you just experience it, right? So the philosophy is to try to be at peace with yourself and you don't always want to be on a high or always be on a low. And so I try to come at it. This is a philosophy that makes sense to me, but then I went and tried to experience it and I have experienced it and I'm not saying that I'm like some, you know, crazy enlightened soul here or anything like that but I have experienced moments of of peace rather than what I would define as happiness Um, but again it goes out to all right testing your assumptions testing your theories writing this stuff down and then saying okay does that work for me is that a philosophy that I can live by yes or no might work for me today it might not work for me tomorrow um but yeah, kudos to you for for experiencing it and for going out and seeing if that works works for you. That's, yeah, that's my best advice for anybody listening. Absolutely, that's the whole point of, of of any of this. And your message, my message, anybody who's got a podcast who's trying to advocate, you know, a more intentional lifestyle and do the things you want, it's uh, recognize that all this stuff is individual to you. It's unique to you. Um, the, the the podcast platform, that medium, whether it's a blog, whatever it is. Uh, I think everyone's message shares the unique sort of commonality that it's, it's, it's your life. You do with it what you want and just find what works for you. Um, so if you're getting bombarded with, with different books and podcasts and blog posts and all these sorts of things, like, uh, get to the point where you can start sorting, sorting and filtering out what truly resonates more with you and start to shape those beliefs. And if, like I mentioned, if happiness to you is this, perfect two word sentence that you've adopted or you've come up with yourself. Um, well, number one, share it with me because I'm still not there. So I would love to, to figure out who's got this thing nailed down and it is working for them. But in my own mind, like what I tried to do and what I try to do with a lot of these questions just for, uh, for me personally, I try to, to dumb it down a little bit because I know that I have a tendency to overthink things. So if, uh, you. you know, I you. I'll end up, you know, writing 10 pages worth of stuff. And at the end, like, I don't, I won't get anything out of it because it's, I'm just flipping in circles. So I'm trying that's to the point. do all that, get all your confused, mixed up thoughts out exactly. of you on paper, tear that shit up and then go experience, you know, it. and then go experience, be do in it. the, be in the moment with yeah. what you want to do that is fulfilling to you. And if at some point along the way you sort of figure out that whatever you thought about happiness or whatever it is just isn't 100% true anymore or you've got more to add on to the back end of it, then you either rip up the piece of paper or start a new one or erase it and continue living your life. It's just one big experiment. And uh, I, I've just been able to, to very intentionally use pen and paper, two of the most basic necessities on this earth, in order to, you know, ignite some of that change within my own life. So I, I feel very passionate that 
if, if certainly I could do it, somebody by all accounts who, who has been completely lost and haplessly wandering in the midst of, of a quarter life crisis myself, then there's no reason why, why other people can't do it. Even if you're not in a quarter life crisis, if you know exactly where you are and what you want to do as a, as a 20 something or just a young person in general, um, kudos to you because I, I never got to that point. I had to do something drastic and fall off a motorcycle near the equator in order to even start to figure things out, the, the, you know, just a little bit. So if, if you've been able to blow past the quarter life crisis and not even have to deal with that, then I want to shake your hand because it's difficult and you should probably write a book or start a podcast because I know that I would listen. There's probably other people that would too. Um, but we're kind of all in the same march to the same, same place here. So I think the only way that we get more people where they want to be is to, to talk about it more. And it just happens that, that writing is very good for forming opinions. <laughs> I love it, John. I love it. Where can people continue the conversation with you, read more about your thoughts, and then come with the, up with their own opinions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at SchnettHappens. That's S-C-H-N-E-T-T, happens. Um, I'm, I'm on there all the time. Uh, I have a horrific email address with my last name, so I'm not, yeah. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just go with Twitter is the easiest way to get to get a hold of me. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to continue the conversation with any of you guys who, who want to challenge my thoughts or, or just share your own. And the name of the book one more time? The name of the book is Pura Vida, uh, A Thinker's Guide to Living. 12 must-answer questions on happiness, habits, and hustle for mixed-up millennials. Sounds like a There it is. John? <laughs> Appreciate it, dude. Enjoyed it. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, uh, Jared. Jared, thank <laughs> you for letting us stay in your luxurious apartment. Actually, he doesn't even know that John was staying, but it's totally cool. He knows now. All right. Well, <laughs> we're out. <laughs> See you guys. Hey, did you enjoy today's episode? If you did... I have a quick favor for you to ask. We are trying to spread the live different mentality, the mission right now, so other people can take advantage of all the stuff that you just got to hear about. If you could go to iTunes and leave a review and a rating, this will help us get on the iTunes new and noteworthy list. And that way, a bunch more people can hear about what we do over here at the Live Different Podcast. So I really appreciate it. If you want to share it, please do. Give it to a friend in need. That is what we want to do and uh, keep doing good stuff. I appreciate it. Thanks.